The gospel for this Easter Sunday comes from Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. However often Easter falls on April Fool's Day, it can't be often enough for me. What, after all, can top the surprise of an empty tomb? Easter, though, insists on moving around in the calendar. It is, in case you want to know, the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring on or after the spring equinox, a fact which, in spite of my day job, I have to rememorize every year. Easter can be as early as March 22nd and as late as April 25th. And if you really want to know, you can find the dates of Easter all the way through at least the year 2383, thanks to the magic of the internet. But if Easter can't settle on a date, preferably the 1st of April, when we can stand at the empty tomb and laugh with the joy of resurrection, then there is something right about its refusal to stay put to stay in one place. Jesus, after all, was just the same way. Did you notice that about the gospel story we just heard? It's probably the strangest of them all, the story that Mark tells. Here are the women, fully prepared for a sad, if ordinary day of grief, anointing their friend's body, consumed with worry about the biggest obstacle they can imagine, which is, how they will move this enormous stone out of the way. But when they round the corner, nothing looks the way it did a few days before. Instead of a stone securing the entrance to the tomb, it has been rolled, rolled away, cast aside as if it were nothing more than a pebble thrown in a lake. Instead of a body inside the tomb, there is a young man a living young man dressed in white who tells them the one they have come looking for has already gone ahead of them. And instead of the joy we might expect them to feel at this news, there's only fear and terror and silence. Oh, and by the way, instead of Jesus, there is, well, nothing. Of all the odd things about Mark's story of the resurrection, this might be the strangest, that Jesus is nowhere to be found. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus appears to his friends on a mountain, assuring them that he will be with them always. 
Some of them worship him and some of them doubt the whole deal, but all of them get the promise. In Luke's gospel, Jesus shows up twice, once on the road with two disciples who are walking away from the heartbreak they saw in Jerusalem, and once to his disciples who get to feed him fish for breakfast to show that he's really real. In John's gospel, Jesus can't stop himself from showing up over and over again to Mary Magdalene, to the disciples locked in the upper room, too terrified to leave, to Thomas, who missed it all the first time around, to the disciples again, and especially to Peter, still haunted by the three times he denied Jesus while everything was falling apart on Friday. But in Mark's gospel, Jesus is no place to be seen. Instead, we hear only that he has gone ahead into Galilee, the same place he spent so much time. You wonder if the women found that strange. Well, the whole thing is strange, of course, but he's risen from the dead, an extraordinary thing, an event they can barely understand or even recognize. And then he just went back into town? Is that it? Is that what resurrection looks like? Perhaps that's what you wonder, too, in this place today. What does resurrection look like? It's a fair question. You wouldn't be the only one asking it. All over the world, while we sing of alleluias and empty tombs and triumph and victory over sin and death, that question still lingers. If Christ is risen, why is my friend dying of cancer? If Christ is risen, why can't we figure out how to have political conversations with one another that don't end in shouting and slam doors? If Christ is risen, why has war been raging in Syria for eight years? Why are tensions rising yet again between nuclear-armed nations? Why is racism still so pervasive every day? Why do relationships fall apart? If Christ is risen, why don't we see it? Where has he gone? Perhaps that's the very best gift of Mark's strange, seemingly unfinished resurrection story. The one that leaves so many things hanging. The one filled with anxiety and fear and uncertainty, even at the end. That, after all, is how we live much of the time. Very little of our lives follows a path without any detours or dead ends or precarious corners we didn't see coming. We live all the time with so many things unfinished, so many questions unanswered, so much still unknown and messy and incomplete. This odd little gospel knows all about that. This experience of the resurrection understands that faith does not always answer all the questions. Sometimes it just makes more of them. The story which ends, or seems to end, in fear and terror and silence makes room for us when we find ourselves in that very same place, unsure of where we are and how we got there and what to do now. These women so shaken by something they never could have seen coming. Are our sisters, when we too are shaken, out of our comfort or our routine, 
or maybe just still worried about that old stone, even though we can see it's already been moved. This gospel doesn't really seem to end, does it? And if that's where you find yourself today, then the gospel of Mark has saved a chair for you. Does it ever feel like the earth is spinning off its axis? That the things you knew and trusted and hoped for have been snatched out from under your feet? Then this resurrection story is for you. Does it ever feel like the words coming out of someone else's mouth stopped your heart? Words like, I don't love you anymore, or the cancer is back, or the treatment is not working anymore, or you hurt me, or I thought I knew you, or I don't want to live anymore. Then this resurrection story is for you. Does it ever feel like the thing you need the most, hope for the most, long for the most, has gone ahead of you, out of your reach, someplace beyond your ability to find it? Well, here is what this resurrection story tells us about that. Whether we like it or not, Jesus is relentless about moving ahead. He will not even stay at his own empty tomb long enough to explain what it was all about. By the time the women arrive, he's already in Galilee, waiting for them, ready for the next chapter to begin. So how will they find him, you might wonder? If they're able to get past their fear and terror and silence, which presumably they are since we are telling their story all these years later, if they all decide to walk to Galilee and see if they can find him, touch him, eat with him, even just see him, where will they find him? How, how will they look? Where should they look? I bet you know the answer to that. Where do you find Jesus? In Galilee or any place else? Don't make the mistake that the wise men did and think you'll find him in a palace. Don't make the mistakes that the religious authorities did and think you will find him doing the same old things, the same old ways they have always been done. Don't make the mistakes that the civil authorities did and think you will find him quietly behaving himself on a corner while injustice eats the city alive. You know where to find him. With the brokenhearted, with those who are hungry, with those who are forgotten or isolated or afraid, with the ones who are standing by a hospital bed praying with every bone in their body for healing, with the woman waiting to be interviewed after an assault that stole a piece of her life, with the ones who are marching in protests for justice and change and hope, with everyone whose world is turning upside down and everyone trying to turn it all from pain to freedom. There's so much we do not know about this story. There's so much we don't know about resurrection. There's so much we will never understand that we can never explain or prove. And perhaps we would do well to listen to that young man, that messenger who sat in the empty tomb. 
He never explained a thing about how the resurrection happened, and he spent not one second trying to prove that it had. All he did was point down the road and tell them where they would find the risen Jesus now. Not in the old places. Ahead. So here we stand on Easter Day at the empty tomb. Maybe we too would like it explained to us. Maybe we would like it all proven in a way that makes sense and preferably can be printed on a bumper sticker. Probably we too would like a road map for where we can find him should we choose to look. That's not exactly what we get, is it? What we do get is both a promise and an invitation. The promise woven into every inch of this whole story from its beginning to its end that there is no place we can go where God is not already waiting for us all the way to the other side of the grave. That promise and the invitation to go. Go into Galilee, into the city, into our daily lives. Not to stop at the empty tomb, but go. Look and wait and watch for the one who is already there, who is watching and waiting for us, who is every place to be found in every neighbor we meet. Because it turns out that this strange little gospel, which doesn't end very well, actually never ended at all. It is still being written by you and me. What is it that we say today? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That doesn't sound like an ending at all, does it? It sounds like a beginning. Amen.